GKS30 is powered by Cliff Central, uncensored, unhinged, and unradio. Hello and welcome to the Digital Kung Fu Show, the podcast and video cast for startup founders and entrepreneurs. Even if you're alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs across the world hustling today's markets. At Digital Kung Fu, we have one goal, to help entrepreneurs succeed in their ventures through information sharing, digitally connecting them with other entrepreneurs, and by dissecting and deconstructing the world's leading business minds right here on this show. Remember, you can view the full show notes on our website at digitalkungfu.co. Dot ZA or tweet this show using our handle at digital kung fu ZA or follow us on facebook.com slash digital kung fu ZA. In the digitally enabled economy that we live in today, we are creating an immense amount of data and information. There was a stat that was shared with me um, not so long ago where we are creating more information in a single year than we ever did in the history of the human race. And that really just sums up the scale of the um, information output that the uh, internet effectively has enabled. Um, so for me, one, that's an interesting statistic. Um, and two, it also for me... Um, feels like an opportunity. So I started digging out, uh, well, not digging out, but I started doing some research um, into startups that have a data and or research orientated play. And I came across an interesting startup based in New York uh, called the Alpha Exchange. Um, and they were in the throes of the Barclays Accelerator program. Um, and they were grateful enough to accept my invitation to come onto the show. Um, so what they are doing is they are disrupting a $20 billion equity research market, effectively through the deployment of a platform that connects buy-side investors with um, supply-side uh, research houses or research-related information. Um, funnily enough, our guest today is a guy called Scott Winship. He's the head of product. The CEO, Emma Margetts, is also a South African who's <laughs> who unfortunately couldn't join the call. Um, so you're stuck with Scott and myself. But uh, nonetheless, um, we do cover um, a quite a cool information set, excuse the pun. But um, I would just like to point out one thing to, to look out for on the show, um, and that's when we're talking about open networks. Um, open business models in principle really do allow um, startups and businesses to scale incredibly well. Um, and we unpack a lot um, about the context within which Alpha Exchange operates and how the Alpha um, Exchange business model really does um, solve a $20 billion equity research problem. So without further ado, enter Scott Winship. How's it guys? And welcome to the 30th chapter of the Digital Kung Fu Show. My name is Matt and I'd like to tease this episode in with a quote um, by Werner von Braun where he said, quote, research is what I'm doing when I don't know what I'm doing, end quote. Um, so today we are very fortunate to have Scott Winship on the line. He is one of the co-founders of a very exciting startup called Alpha Exchange. Um, Alpha Exchange is effectively creating the next generation of institutional research and uh, knowledge sharing platform. Um, they're also a recent graduates of the Barclays Accelerated Program in New York City. So Scott, thank you for your time today. It's great to have you in the hot seat. Absolute pleasure, man. Good to be here. Cool, dude. So I hear a bit of a South African twang there, hey? <laughs> Guilty, yeah. 
pretty obvious accent around the world. Yes, yes. See, another staffer hustling uh, global markets like they should be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So tell me something. You um, obviously are, you come from the banking industry. You're an ex-banker. Um, how did the sort of idea for Alpha Exchange come about? Because there is three of you. There's Emma um, and then uh, what's the chap, uh, the founder's Alex. name? Alex. Alex right. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, what's the backstory? Did you guys all work for the same bank? Were you just friends? How did it all come about? Yeah, so I was uh, I was on the asset management side of the finance world for about ten years, and you know there I encountered two you know two huge problems. The one being just content overload. So every day my email inbox was pummeled with a thousand emails from research providers. You know, typically uh, sell side brokers sending through research. And, you know, most of it untargeted, not very specific to what I actually needed. And for the most part, pretty generic content. Um, so, you know, we, we thought there must be tools available to start sorting out this problem. You know, modern technology, whether it be search, whether it be, you know, setting your preferences to actually receive exactly what you want, um, you know, what you're interested in. And that stuff just doesn't exist. So that was the the first problem was content overload and not specifically to actually what I wanted to see. And the second problem is there's a whole bunch of regulation change happening in Europe and it's basically changing the way research gets bought or sold. Cut a very long story short and probably a pretty boring story, but essentially research has historically been free um, and that is changing. You're actually going to have to start paying for that research for the first time out of your own P&L. And, and by that, I mean an asset manager will actually start having to pay for research. And that's a huge fundamental shift in a, a $20 billion industry in the way that research is bought and sold. Mm. So that, that was, those are the two problems that I encountered on the asset management side, uh, being an equity analyst, being a fund manager. And then at the same time, Emma, um, before she started working as an asset manager too, she was actually a research provider. So she was on the other side of the equation. She was the one sending the emails, pummeling my inbox with, with an overload of content, trying to get paid for that, that research and trying to get discovered. So we, we come, from, come at it from both sides of, of the network that we're building. And, you know, the, the combination of that and the combination of those two pain points is the, the genesis for, for Alpha Exchange. Okay. How did you guys actually connect? So we, we worked together. So we worked together for five years uh, on the buy side. Uh, so that's where we connected and that's you know, the, the seeds for, for Alpha Exchange. Okay. So you were born out of the, literally the same place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, also, she's also a South African, so also from Cape Town, um, but met, met in London at uh, Asset Management Company. Awesome. And Alex, is he also South African? Was he the anomaly Alex. in the trifecta? <laughs> he's from the Southern Hemisphere. Let's give him that. He's from Brazil, but has spent most of his time in Portugal. And then recently he's been living in London for the last few years. So his background is, is tech. He's our CTO. And his background is also startups. So he's, he started a couple of startups and most recently a company called Yieldify, which is uh, e-commerce optimization engine. And they, they recently got Google Ventures funding. So they're, they're a pretty neat outfit. Um, I think they did series A and they're, they're looking to do series B pretty soon. Okay. Champagne problems, eh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Awesome. So before we jump into the meat and potatoes of um, Alpha Exchange, I just want to take a quick detour and talk about the uh, Barclays Accelerator program, uh, which um, interestingly enough, you're the third uh, Barclays Accelerator startup I've had on the show, which is something of a trend, I guess. (laughs) But uh, I think it's amazing. You got selected out of 800 applicants. I think that's an incredible, um, you know, feather in your cap. Um, And I just wanted to kind of unpack with you, like what was the actual experience like for for you guys as a team uh you know who did you connect with what did you learn all that kind of stuff yeah i mean it's been absolutely phenomenal it's surpassed all expectations um so you know a little bit of background you apply for this program there's nearly a thousand people that apply there are a whole bunch of of interviews as you go through the whole process so you've got to get interviews with the various mds that run the program you get interviewed with associates you get interviewed with you know other entrepreneurs in your uh, area that you're trying to build a business in and then ultimately you you get through to to 10, 10 positions in the, in the accelerator. And really it's, it's been phenomenal because the introductions, the mentors that you get are, are unlike anything else. So, you know, for our business and the capital markets community, you know, think about large asset managers like the Black Rocks, the Fidelities of the world. Think about your big investment banks, uh, the cities, the Goldman Sachs, etc. Um, you know, the, the people and the networks that you meet here, I guess, particularly in New York, which is where we did our three-month stint, um, has just has just been amazing. So, high-quality people who've, who've you know, started businesses are your mentors. So they are an awesome group of people to fall back on and, you know, ask a lot of questions about how things should work, what you should do. So a bunch of guidance. And then those mentors plus the, the entire program puts you into, in touch with all these introductions from amazing people that can help you uh, build and, and grow your business. So <clears throat> it really is is quite exceptional. And I know it sounds pretty cheesy, but it's done exactly what it says on the turn in terms of accelerate our, our business trajectory. <laughs> so, you know, that alone makes it, makes it worth it. Finally, something that actually lives up to its promise. <laughs> yeah, more so, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, uh, Emma was, uh, well, when we were exchanging emails, she was mentioning that um, you guys were, you know, in a room full of 700, now, I can't even imagine the 700 investors and you're pitching to them all at the same time. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So that's what the program culminates in. So it's a three month long uh, stint. Um, and, and then the final uh, thing is this, in, I'll, I'll accelerate it happened to be in combination with Barclays. So uh, a Barclays organized event being this demo day to a bunch of investors, to Barclays employees and, and managers. And then, you know, the rest of the fintech community here in New York, basically here's what we're, oh, here's what we got four minute pitch uh, and ins and outs of the business. Mm-hmm. How much deal flow came, uh, you know, as a result of that? Um, it's been amazing. So we, we met some phenomenal people on the night guys in the capital markets community again, who, who are interested in, in what we're doing. VCs, uh, phenomenal intros into VCs, having seen the pitch or heard about us in the press afterwards, getting in touch and starting that whole that whole process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Well, congratulations again. That's uh, really, you. really impressive. Yeah. Cool, man. So let's dive straight into the meat and potatoes of what you guys actually do. Um, hence why you're here. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is... Um, 
if you were to describe the kind of like the major problems that you're solving in your category, what would those, what would those be? Yeah. So the, so let's just take a step back. What we're doing is it's an institutional capital markets platform. So, you know, in a nutshell, if you want to receive, you know, if you're an asset manager, you're buying and selling securities on behalf of your clients. And as part of that, your decision-making process is you're doing a whole bunch of research. You're doing research internally as an analyst, you're doing research externally um, in terms of some of the content that you're receiving that from. So that might be research from independent research providers. It might be research from the investment banks, or it might be research from experts. You know, some guy who's worked in an oil and gas industry for 20 years has a lot of deep insights into, into that field. Um, and then finally, the other area where you can get your, your information and research from is actually the investor relations of publicly listed companies. So in South Africa, think about you know, MTN or Anglo-American. They've got an investor relations officer whose job it is is to you know, deal with the buy side and the sell side and, and how that information flow works. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's typically the process that uh, takes place in capital markets from a research perspective. And really that, that whole process is so fragmented. You've got over 800 investment banks around the world. You've got thousands of independent research providers. You've got hundreds of thousands of, of experts. And then you've got, you know, there are 40,000 listed equities in the world of which 20,000 have an investor relations function. So all of that combined makes up for one hell of a fragmented capital markets community. And so what Alpha Exchange is doing is connecting the buy side, so the asset managers, the hedge funds of this world, with that uh, group of research providers. So let's collectively call them you know, research providers. And so making a, a marketplace, a transparent marketplace for the buying and selling of all of that research. So one platform where you can do all of that. Mm-hmm. And now you know, the, one of the, the elements of the secret source is it's open. So you have to be institutional to join, but you do not need a $20,000 subscription to jump on board to, to use the platform. Okay. And so that, that is one of the reasons why this, this community is fragmented is because you've got d- different operating platforms, which different, different people sub into, which means that you know, no one can be on one, on one platform buying and selling research in a very easy manner. Mm. And so that's, that's what we're, that's the bigger goal. That's the bigger aim mm. in terms of, you know, the specific pain points we're solving is using modern technology to solve those two pain points I mentioned earlier. So getting exactly what you want to receive from the people that you want to receive it into your, your research feed. So if you imagine our, our, our system looks not dissimilar to a LinkedIn or a Facebook, you've got your feed of, you know, your connections or whatever coming through. It's a similar concept for, for a research standpoint. Mm-hmm. And then the, the second point is doing that specifically in Europe in a very compliant, uh, transparent manner. So you tick all of your regulatory boxes in terms of the buying and selling of research. Just a silly question. I want to touch on the open network point that you made just now, but just a silly question for you. What, what's actually driving the explosion of investment research at the moment? Is it the regulational change or is it something else? It's, it's just that people in general write a ton of content, most of which is not 100% relevant to any investment decision. So there's a lot of noise out there. So just like, you know, in our daily lives, there's a lot of noise, whether it be Facebook posts going off or your alerts from BBC or CNBC or whatever, that's, that's noise. And that's just 
increase the amount of content out of the, out there in the world. Mm. Um, and unfortunately, most of it not entirely relevant. And if you think about um, an asset manager's world, definitely not relevant for a long-term buy or sell decision in a security, in a, in a stock. And so that's what we help do is, is cut through that noise to get exactly the insights that you want from the people that you want them from. Okay, cool. That's interesting. Um, you also mentioned earlier that the equity research market's roughly, you know, a $20 billion market. But when you think about research-related information in general or broader research category, that's also a play for you, surely. Huge, yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, Matt, you touched on the wider opportunity there is, you know, we're starting here in, in Wall Street, if you will, with that research market. But, but really, think about, just try to think about it. where is a good platform that you actually want to go to to consume research. Now, you've got different avenues. You probably started with Google, and that's great. That could pick up you know, a bunch of news headlines and whatnot. But think about you know, just doing a little bit more research is, is actually a very hard place to find a destination to, to want to go and do that. Mm. And so you know, when you think about all of those needs, think about all the corporate firms that have a research function, that have a strategic arm, that you know, need pricing data, all of those um, market players is the wider research market opportunity that you know, Alpha Exchange, again, being open, uh, being transparent, you, know, you can plug into that and get your research needs uh, from the platform. Awesome, awesome. Um, this word open keeps coming up. And <clears throat> for me, it's important because one is how you describe the fact that you're effectively an open network that brings together the collective intelligence of the capital markets community effectively. Um, but you know, for me, the term open network is actually vitally important for startups that have a play or an online play um, you know, cause we're obviously living in the connection economy. Um, but why is being open as a business model important, uh, for entrepreneurs today in your view? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there. I know being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely experience. You sometimes get stuck, don't you? Well, if you're like me, being stuck sucks. But what if you could access the minds of over 850 CEOs who have built companies generating billions of dollars in revenue and access all of that knowledge in a fraction of a second? Well, the good news is you can't literally do that today. What my team have built is Matt Brown AI. It is trained on all the interviews, over 850 of them that I've done to date, all my books, all the knowledge capital that has been generated over the last 10 years right here on the Matt Brown Show. And you can get access to all of that right now for free. So how do you get access to this? Well, head on over to mattbrownshow.com and at the top, you'll see community. Hit that link, sign up. It's absolutely free and you'll be given instant access to Matt Brown AI and a community of over 100,000 subscribers. I think open is the way things are going. Um, you know, basically try and be inclusive rather than exclusive and, and give the opportunity for everyone to jump on board and to start building networks. And, you know, in this, uh, in this age we're in, it's the network which is exceptionally powerful and, and ultimately exceptionally valuable uh, from an enterprise perspective because once you get engaged users... Um, on that open platform, the, 
the avenues for monetization are, are very apparent and, and ultimately that's how you're going to create the value uh, for the business. And, that, and that's why you, these, these entities are, are typically incredibly valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that, that's why I think it's important is, is engagement is, is, you know, communication. So communication tools is, is a big play of, of what we're doing in terms of messaging chat and, and such things. And the same is true of, of any platform out there, whether it be WhatsApp or Facebook or, or whatever it might be. Um, and I guess, you know, a, a subtle point or maybe not so subtle is, is the data. So it's open, it's a network, but really it's a data play if you think Mm. of facebook and whatsapp and and those types of networks are um you know ours is not dissimilar from that you just have to be a little bit bit careful because you're dealing with um, a lot of of legal and and regulatory issues too yeah i'm sure um and i often use this term that your your net worth is equivalent to your network (laughs) (laughs) which is true i mean from as an entrepreneurial um or as an entrepreneur it's so true. I mean, the, the deal flow that I've been able to procure um, simply through people that I know is, is immense. You know, I wouldn't trade that for anything really. And it's such a simple thing and so overlooked, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think that comes back to the whole Techstars program too in terms of that network. And you know, again, it's the, intro, it's the warm intro. You, mm-hmm. there's, there's no price on the warm intro. You know, trust me, having done thousands of cold emails and you know, hideous email campaigns, <laughs> there, there is no better conversion than, uh, than a warm intro. <laughs> too true. Hashtag true story. <laughs> but um, let's talk about revenue models for a second because I imagine when you guys started out, you probably sat down and went, shit, we actually have a number of options on the table here. Um, but uh, what actually led you to finally deciding on a SaaS revenue model? Yeah, so the, the SaaS revenue model is one which has just become um, very normal in the in the ordinary course of business today. It's, it's what people are familiar with. It makes sense. And, you know, that, that's how our user group expect to be charged, um, given what they you know, already use and, and what they're likely to, to use already. So that, that's the bottom line in, in terms of the SaaS um, type business model fee. And that's across our, our buy-side user groups where we're, you know, adding value in terms of the solutions that we're giving them. Uh, so an internal research management system is just an example of one of the things that we provide them with. And then, you know, our other user groups where we add value and whether it be analytics or messaging functionality, a SaaS um, business model there makes perfect sense. The other one is, you know, that's, that's the easiest one. And then the other one is on any research bought and sold through the platform. There's a commission that we take on, on that research. Okay. Awesome. Now you mentioned earlier that you connect, um, you know, buy side investors with um, sort of sell side research houses. So effectively, what you've got is a multi sided platform and as a model. Um, and in order to really get that sort of model to work, you need scale on both sides. You need a value exchange on both sides. Um, and so I wanted to find out from you when I look at the the management team. There's no one there that actually has CMO <laughs> or is, is a marketing discipline focused individual. So I just wanted to find out from you, um, you know, how much marketing is actually required in a business like yours? Um, and if you, if you were to describe the headlines of your kind of short-term growth strategy, what, what would they be? 
Yeah. So I guess the, the Emma and myself are biz dev uh, CMOs. I guess you, just, <laughs> you, you assume many titles at a at a startup uh, startup stage. So we'll we'll gladly take that. And I guess the, the advantage of of what we're doing and the vertical that we're penetrating is it, it's very easy to know exactly uh, who you need to target. Um, they are only a set number of investment banks, uh, independent research provider firms. We know, you know, every publicly listed company out there that has a investor relation function. And then finally on the buy side, you know, exactly, you know, in South Africa, you can recite them very easily who the big three, big four might be. And the same is true around the world. So, you know, what begins with our business is a very targeted, uh, campaign to all of those user groups to get them on board. And you quite rightly point out what you have to do is add value to the side, each side of the marketplace so that those users are willing to jump on board um, while you wait to build up scale so that the whole marketplace works. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that is very tricky. You know, the number of times we've heard uh, chicken and egg in, the, in, in our startup life has, has been quite phenomenal. But fuck that's what it. Fuck the chicken. Fuck the chicken. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, uh, so that that's that's what we're that's the strategy in terms of you know marketing in the sense of do we have Google AdWords out there or, or Facebook ads? No, that that's not our our strategy. Being a B two B type business, certainly for now, we don't need to to engage in too much of that stuff. You know what's starting to pick up now on the back of the TechStars demo day is is more press. Um, a bit more PR type stuff, uh, and, and that's slowly building the traction in that regard. But there's no there's no need right now for a huge uh, advertising budget per se. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I want to talk about economies of scale. <clears throat> um, it's a term that's uh, bandied about quite a lot as well. As well, in your particular um, context, are there significant economies of scale on the table? Um, and uh, when in the context of entrepreneurs looking to build platforms or scalable tech players like yourselves, but the ones that you built, um, what advice do you have there in terms of managing cost structure and that kind of thing? So yeah, the, the first one first, it's, it, it's immensely scalable. I mean, software by its, its very nature is, is immensely scalable and particularly the, the type of platform we're looking to build. You know, we've built the, the foundations now and um, the different value adds that I mentioned for each of the user groups. Um, and we've got a team in place to onboard those various, those various user groups as we go on. And so, you know, it's, it's there, the platform's there. And so what happens is you just grow immensely from this, this very small structure. Now what you will need is a bit more you know, onboarding capability, you know, a little bit more sales here or there. But, but really, it, it's, it's hugely scalable. Um, and, and particularly think about it, like who, who needs to be present when a marketplace transaction takes place? And no one. There's no, there's no burden on that. Uh, in terms of payments, it's all automated. You, know, you use Stripe for those kind of things. So you, it doesn't really require personnel. Um, so that, that's really just the beauty of, of software in general. In terms of the cost base, I guess being a startup, you've got to keep it exceptionally lean. 
that's the bottom line. Um, you don't necessarily know where your next funding round might come be come from. Um, and in early stages, you're often giving away software, you know, free of charge, trying to build the network. And so there is potentially a, a long period of time where you've got to you got to carry the business on on no significant revenues coming through, particularly in a marketplace type environment. So. Our, our strategy has always been just to keep it exceptionally, exceptionally lean um, and, and basically do not scale up from a personnel perspective until you've got an embedded sales process. You know exactly what you're doing and you're pretty sure that it's repeatable so you can give someone the reins to go out there, hit targets and, and make those sales. Hmm. But you know, do not employ that person on a whim that you might have an opportunity to sell something. Because mm-hmm. I've, I've already seen a few businesses fail in that regard where you just all of a sudden you've got 10, 20 people and you're wondering, you know, what are you actually selling? What are you actually doing? It hasn't actually, there's no traction. And so that's, that, that's the key, I think, is, is don't get too excited from a hiring perspective. Okay. That's actually a good uh, precursor to my next question, which was, you know, startups often go through this like honeymoon phase, <laughs> like the Barclays Accelerator program. And yeah, then okay. suddenly that's like, it's all like singing and dancing and then boom, the rubber hits the road. Um, and suddenly the reality of managing the business is, is reality, you know, it's a, and it's a, comes oftentimes at a, at a, at a cost, which oftentimes for entrepreneurs or founders isn't really um, something that they expect. Um, so I was going to ask you, you mentioned personnel, who are you going to hire next? Who's your next hire? So the next hire will likely be on the sales side. And that would be sales to our user groups being the, the buy side. So going to the actual asset managers and saying, listen, here's, here's what we have for you. Here's what you can do with it. You know, get stuck in, come on board. Okay. I want to touch on partnerships for a second. Uh, I think just last week um, you announced the fact that you had procured 30 institutional partnerships. I think it was at the Techstars Demo Day in New York. Um, what have you learned about partnerships, selection, and procurement? The sales cycles can be long. <laughs> when, you're, when you're dealing with uh, large corporations, it's unfathomable how, how long the whole process can take. Um, they just, there's a lot of people involved in the, in the whole final decision-making, whether it be legal, compliance, particularly in the industry we're dealing with, is so much regulation and compliance that you've got to tick boxes on that going through that whole process takes a long, long time. But then, you know, coming out the other side is when you have that partner is, you know, phenomenal brand. Because just remember, you're a startup. No one knows you. No one cares about you. You know, you might think that you've got the best idea in the world that everyone should know you and love you, but that's just not the case. And so it is so important from a credibility standpoint that you have those partners because often we just get asked, you know, why should I, why should I come on your platform? You know, what, what, what's going to say that you aren't going to take my research and just give it away for free and, or make a, you know, make a profit on the side. And, you know, very quickly you can come back and say, listen, we've got over 30, 30 guys who are doing exactly what you're doing on the platform. And mm-hmm. they happen to be big brand names, you will know, and that have you know, placed a lot of trust in, in what we do. Okay. Cool, man. Um, quick one. I wanted to, um, 
talk about um, the platform itself for a second, because when you consider the enormous engagement potential of an idea like this, um, how do you even begin to approach sizing up uh, a, a tech build uh, of this kind of magnitude? Yeah. So great question. We keep it, you focus on each user group one at a time. And so uh, I mentioned a lot of different user groups, but generally it's just research provision. You know, three of our, our user groups basically have the exact same workflow. So it's let me give you research. That research uh, can be priced. That research can be put in a subscription bundle um, and a couple of other things that we, we do on our platform. And then you've got to give that entitlement to certain people on the platform. So, you know, you might have existing buy side clients that already have access to that. You can just entitle them and they can, you know, consume that, that research. The other avenue is you're not a client. And so you would like to buy that. And so we give the tools to, to do that too. Um, so th those workflows are exactly the same. And that's, you know, where we started was onboarding that supply. So getting that right. And then once you've done that, then you can start thinking about the other user groups because you're right that it's a big, it's a big undertaking. It's a big build um, from a tech perspective, getting all of those little bits and pieces, right. But I think if you take them one by one, take the product, take the MVP that you built to the, the user group, you start getting their feedback, then you start iterating. That's the way to do it. Um, just a question out of left field, and there's lots of talk of AI at the moment. Um, do you see a role for AI in your business in the future? For sure. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to understand what people mean when they say AI because everyone throws around the AI or you're on the blockchain. It's such a buzzword. Yeah. Um, I was joking that I, I probably could have got funding just with nothing but mentioning the words blockchain, bots, and AI that my business does, which is just the way things are at the moment. But for sure. So um, there, there's a hell of a lot in this space that you can do uh, from the AI perspective. Now, it could be sentiment. So you can uh, scan a report and instantaneously work out what is the sentiment of the author? Are they bullish or bearish a stock? Mm. And so while they might have buys or sells on that stock, there's actually another level of detail is actually what's the next move that they're going to make on that whole, on that recommendation. Are they going to upgrade that recommendation or downgrade it? And maybe by looking at the sentiment, you can start working that out. Or it's things like, you know, from a, from a research, think about your feed in, um, in Facebook, there's an algorithm which powers that. So you, you know, you get the awesome stuff up first and keeps you engaged. The same is true of, of research content. So maybe start thinking about what, what would an analyst or a buy side investor actually like to see at the top of their research feed. It might be their largest position in their fund, perhaps. So it's, it's definitely got a huge role to play um, in, in the research space. Okay. Awesome. Um, I'm going to jump into questions from the community. I, I know we, we pushed for time, so I'm just going to keep some short. Yeah, and yeah. Cool, man. Uh, this next one is from Graham. He says, what keeps you motivated as a management team? To, to prove that this, you know, is, is going to be a hugely successful business. It's, uh, it's great to have this conversation now, but the reality is this is still a very, um, 
early stage business and you know having been going just for over a year you want to you want to be motivated to make sure that this business lasts for 10 20 years um and that that's what keeps me going is it, it's still so early there's still so much to prove um there's still so many users to to get on the platform and actually add value to i think that's that's what's so important is if You've got that customer obsession and the obsession to add value to their lives. You know, that's a very good starting point. And that's, that makes me excited to wake up every morning and, and connect this, this community with our, with our platform. Yeah. Alrighty. Next question here is from Nicolette. She says, are there any do's or and don'ts in terms of applying to um, accelerator pro or programs like the uh, Barclays accelerator? You know, we're probably the worst people to ask. <laughs> we applied to Techstars and then only afterwards did we actually start doing a bit of Googling and saw the, the, the YouTube videos out there of like the do's and don'ts and what, what your video should look like because you've got to do a one-minute video submission and like all these, you know, different things which people thought would, would upgrade your chances of, of getting in. We did none of that stuff. We, we literally just sat down um, in the morning and, and did a quick video, had an application and, you know, went through the whole interview process and got in. So I'll, I'll actually I'll probably not answer that one and just say, be honest and have a great, have a great idea. I think that's... <laughs> Okay. Awesome. I love those nuggets. Okay, cool. Next one here is from Paul. He says, um, there are lots of accelerator programs out there at the moment, especially in the financial services space. Um, if, if you have a globally focused idea, how do you decide which accelerator to work with and or apply it? I think it comes down to what's your vertical. So it might be a globally focused business, but what are you doing? So is it FinTech? Are you more on the consumer side of things? Is it B2B, B2C? And try to find the accelerator which um, has interests or aligns itself to, to that part of it. So Techstars, for example, they've got a number of different options. Um, this one happens to be in New York. This one happens to be in combination with Barclays and it happens to be FinTech. So that ticks every single box for us. And it couldn't have been a better accelerator. Techstars also has ones in association with Anheuser-Busch. So if you are, doesn't necessarily mean beer, but pretty good thing. Probably does. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they are much more interested in the consumer side of things. But that, that's a great program if you're if that's your bent in terms of your your business direction. So I think that is so important. If you don't have that match, then the introductions, the mentors that are going to be brought on board are just not going to match and you're not going to get the value that you need um, for the equity that you are giving away for the program. Okay. Awesome. Uh, right. So final part of the in interview, this is the fun side. <laughs> Beware. Beware. Dangerous time, yes. Dangerously fun. <laughs> Alrighty. Cool. So um, when you hear the word successful, who do you think of and why? I've got a bit of Elon Musk love at the moment. I must be honest. Yeah. I think, uh, I think what he's doing is, is awesome on all aspects, all three of his or two of his businesses. Now it's just, it's just incredible. Um, the ambition and 
and yes, success. I mean, uh, he, he actually does exactly what he what he says. If you read the first mission statement for Tesla, he's largely done that. Now he's just come out with the second one. Maybe his timelines are a little bit off, a little bit wonky, but you know, it's it's phenomenal what he's doing. And at the same time, he's he's changing the world for the better. So I think he's he's pretty successful, and more than that, just a, a very visionary uh, entrepreneur. Yeah, absolutely agree. Um, contrary to that, when you hear the word punchable, uh, who do you think of? Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> I've been here for the last three months, so you can imagine the, the news flow from a, a US election perspective has just been crazy. And you just get a first hand here and it boggles the mind what, what's happening. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it just gets more confusing and more pathetic every single day so you know without doubt um 100 punchable <laughs> classic um so next question what do people never ask you that you wish they did mm. ask me. yeah because you I mean you guys you must get peppered with questions you know why should i sign up to your marketplace you know what's your business model why have you signed this blah 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 blah. i mean out of when if, when you look back at all those things is there something that you go fuck why don't why doesn't someone actually ask me this because i really have a point of view on it i mean people are, are so when you when you launch a business everyone's like the, the natural thing people do is they go ah I know your competitors. Have you seen this one in the market? Uh, what about this one? You know, how, how are you different? And so that's the common playbook it is, is pretty annoying, but you just, you, you deal with that. So I wish people asked more about, you know, actually what do you do? So let, let me understand exactly the, the business dynamics because the, the too often people write stuff about, okay, there's this another research guys, how they're different from any of these guys. But actually if you go through the nuts and bolts of exactly what we do, there's so much difference. Mm -hmm. And when you get it stuck onto the platform, you realize that it's a completely different experience. So I guess people, I wish people did a little bit more DD in terms of, what, what, what are the nuts and bolts of what you're doing? What problem do you face every day that nobody else has solved yet? Uh, it's going to be diary management. Diary management, totally agree. Oh my goodness. How much time do I spend in my diary going back and forth on dates? Now, like, there are a couple of apps like Calendly is pretty cool. Yeah. You can send them your diary all blanked out so they can pick a time. But you know, try send that to a fortune 500 company. It's not going to fly. Yes. That doesn't work. And then there, there are a couple AI, um, calendar assistants, like, um, a, what's it called? X.ai. That's one of them. Okay. And the assistant's name is Amy, but so she's, she's a bot and she just gets it wrong most of the time. So I tried that one. That doesn't work. So, you know, one day, hopefully we'll be big enough and ugly enough to have some help in that regard. But right now, cheap is it's a waste of time. Yeah. Which 15 minutes would you like to book? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. If you buy the premium version, you can take the 30 minutes and 60 minutes. Yeah, no, it's such <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> Last question for you, mates, and then I'll let you go. If you could put the Alpha Exchange story onto a billboard, what would that billboard say? Um, don't get fucked by research. <laughs> 
Classic. <laughs> yeah, cool, man. Well, look, dude, that's, that concludes your time in the hot seat. Thank you so much for your, uh, for your value time today. I'm super excited about Alpha Exchange, mate. And um, it's pretty Emma wasn't able to join us today, but um, we will be watching your movements very closely. And uh, yeah, please pass on my best to uh, Emma and Alex and wishing you all the very best for the future. Thanks a lot, man. Cheers, dude. Cheers. Bye. Remember that the Digital Kung Fu Show is now on iTunes, so head on over there now and leave us a review. You can also catch the Digital Kung Fu Show on player.fm, Stitcher, and cliffcentral.com. Thanks for listening to the Digital Kung Fu Show. If you'd like to check out more episodes and get access to our growing community of entrepreneurs working together to succeed in business, then please visit our website at www.digitalkungfu.co.za. Ever wanted to become a best-selling author? Well, I'm in the influence business and I work with business owners and CEOs and business leaders to help them scale their influence. And we do this as a team by helping you to become a best-selling author, sought-after speaker and industry influencer in only 30 days. My team and I have developed a system that delivers a best-selling book and a launch campaign 300% faster and 50% less cost than anyone else in North America. This system is incredibly efficient. One of my clients Haiku went from a 2% share of voice globally to an 11% share of voice globally in only seven days. If you'd like more information, head on over to showworksmedia.com for more. That is showworks with an X.com.